A reading from the book of Esther. The king and Adam went into the feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace, but no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King Azaharis said to Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he? Who has presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe and enemy, this wicked Hammond.
amazing stuff in it. It starts out with the transfiguration, which is pretty huge, and then it moves into the curing of an epileptic boy. The man says, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a demon, and I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And Jesus answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So the father brought the boy to Jesus and said to him, If you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, If I can, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. That reminds me of the passage that has Jesus saying in John's Gospel, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. We can do that? This passage, this passage has a new word. The disciples, so he healed them. And the disciples said, Lord, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, this cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Essentially, if you do what I'm teaching you, you'll be able to do what I'm doing. And that is what I want you to do. I want you to do what I'm doing. This worries me. I was at a pastor's conference about 10 days ago up at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And there was a group of about 20 of us together, all ordained ministers from various churches. And we were there for a meeting that started with lunch. And as we sat down to lunch, all strangers, never having met before, the man, two people over, went into an epileptic seizure. And I saw him starting to fall, and I thought, I'd better get under him before he falls, and hopefully make sure his head doesn't hit anything. So I went, and, and his head came into my lap, and I just simply held him while he had his epileptic seizure, which eventually did pass. But I thought about Jesus' words. I thought about the passage that precedes this morning's, and I thought, theoretically, if I was faithful enough, I could heal this man. And here I am with a group of pastors, and all we could do is offer comfort. We prayed, we held him, we waited for it to pass, but we didn't heal him. And that haunts me. That haunts me and makes me wonder, do I, do we need to do something to sink deeper into Jesus? So continuing on with the ninth chapter of Mark, we come to this morning's passage, and we see that some stranger did a healing. And the disciples are a little frustrated, they're a little resentful, aren't they? Teacher, someone else cast out a demon in your name, but he's not with us. I think that they were just resentful and jealous. I think the disciples were grasping. They're holding on to their own expectations, their own way of being in the world, and someone that didn't fit in accordance with their expectations did a good deed in God's name, and that shook them up. So the disciples, that would include me, perhaps some of us, the disciples were caught in the world of competition or comparison or who can do it or who can't, and we're seeing that 
shows us that we're meant to share, to share in God's energies, to share without trying to possess, to transcend boundaries, identi boundary identities. I've been loving the news coverage this week about the Pope's visit to the U.S. It seems that he's trying to transcend all boundaries, kissing the feet of the Muslim Imam at ground zero. He's transcending. He's pulling together. He's inviting. He's unifying. I'm loving his visit. Another unlikely candidate who showed up and stole the show. Last Friday, a week ago, 10 days ago, last Friday, we had a gathering out on Deer Island for Baby Doe. My, one of my jobs is I work for the Massachusetts Water Resources Authority, and I'm the captain of their research boats. And we on Deer Island had taken up a little collection to make a monument and a bench for Baby Doe, who at the time we did not know it was named Bella Bond. And Friday a week ago, the MWRA employees gathered in what we thought was going to be a small, private, quiet gathering around this monument that we made for then Baby Doe. And all the news trucks showed up because the news had just broken, saying that we now know that Baby Doe is Bella Bond. So it turned into a large crowd. And we went ahead with our small, early informal program. But from out of nowhere, in walked the most dignified, regal, silent woman I've seen in a very long time. And it turned out that she was the sachem of the local Nipmuc Council in this part of Massachusetts. And she was coming because Deer Island is hallowed sacred ground. The Native Americans used to live there until other folks came along and pushed them off. So the sachem of the council came with her eagle feather and with a, a, a beautiful shell that was full of sage. And she lit the sage very quietly and just set it down next to the memorial. And as we had our ceremony, the scent of sage wafted through the air. And I thought to myself, her very presence, though she hasn't said a word, her very presence has turned this into a holy, solemn, sacred event beyond measure, just by her showing up. And it reminded me of Esther, an unknown who walks in and ends up changing the world. There is a deeper spiritual truth that's moving towards the liberating and unifying energies of Christ. That's what it is moving us towards. And the reason that this chapter 9 and this morning's passage strikes me so much is that we are the disciples. Or I won't put you under the microscope. I'll just say I am one of the disciples. And I hear my Lord saying, Rob, if only you believed more, prayed more, fasted more. But I don't think it's so much about effort as it is about aligning myself with him. The disciples in this passage are grasping. They're grasping to hold on to that which is familiar. And it makes me think about the story of the man who 
who spent his whole life achieving all the status and power that he set out to find. He said, I climbed the ladder of success and I got to the top only to discover it was against the wrong wall. I wonder, I wonder as we go through the gospel, as we go through the church year, what are we missing? Mark chapter 9, Jesus once again is inviting us into a new reality, a new way of seeing things. And then it starts to get a little intense. It gets a little scary. There's this language about cutting off your hand and plucking out your eye and cutting off your foot. What are we to do to do with this? I have to say that I do not believe he's being literal. When he says, luckily for me, <laughs> when he says this, I believe he's being figurative. Now when he says hell, the, the word is Gehenna. And Gehenna was a garbage dump. And it's where they used to put babies after baby sacrifice. In the very old days, they had altars where they sacrificed babies, and the babies went to Gehenna. And then people decided this is so wrong that we won't do this anymore. Instead, we'll just turn this into a garbage dump. So Gehenna became a garbage dump, and it was lit on fire, and the fires never went out. So when Jesus says, cast into hell, he's referring to Gehenna, which is this unseemly, unbelievable, tragic place where the fires are always smoldering. What he is saying, he's saying, don't block the good earth from producing of itself. Don't block other people from entering into life. Whatever does get in the way of entering life, cut it out. Cut it out. And so we're all invited to ask, what in our lives, what in our lives is preventing us from following Jesus the way the disciples were trying to, but sometimes had some struggles? The hand. The hand represents action and doing. The eye represents seeing and understanding and thinking. The foot represents the path you're on, what you're striving towards, what you're going for. And Jesus says, are you striving for anything that separates us from others, that sets one team against another, that makes sure that some folks have more than others, that keep people separated, that keep people not cared for mercifully and equally. Are we striving for anything that separates us from others? If so, drop it. Today, cut it out. So this thing haunts me. I want to take him at his word. He says, all things are possible to him who believes. And very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these. This makes me rethink everything. It makes me think about Esther and how she just showed up and was faithful and prayerful and obedient. It makes me think about the Pope and how he has just welcomed everybody and is trying to pull everyone into the same team. And it also makes 
dropped out of college in order to pursue exactly this, and it terrifies me. I've been saying you've got to have a college degree, and then probably a graduate degree, because you have to have a good job, and you have to have a good compensation package and pension plan, and you've got to have the whole deal, and he said, I don't know about that. So he dropped out of school, and he went and he spent about six months studying with the Caro Indians in Peru. The Caro Indians are known as the masters of the living energy. And then he went to Maui to study with a guy named Blue Cloud. Now he's in Orcas Island, Washington, studying with a guy named Tom Kenyon. My son seems to be pursuing this more authentically sometimes, I think, than his father, who's a priest. He's got me re-examining everything. And when you talk to him on the phone right now, he's so peaceful. He's so calm. He's so clear. Something's happening. This gospel passage this morning really pulls me up short. And it makes me want to invite us all to spend this whole week in Mark chapter 9. It's not very long. I wonder what would happen to any of us if we just took this week and spent it on chapter 9. Where have I, where have we lost our saltiness? How can we re-season it? And how can we walk more in the ways of faith and prayer and works of mercy, entering more deeply into life so that we can do what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus says, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Sometimes that seems easy. This week it seems hard. I invite us all to spend the week in Mark chapter 9 and see what our Lord may be trying to say to us.
Muslim worshippers who were injured and the hundreds who died at the Hajj this week. And for all who are in danger, sorrow, and any kind of trouble. In the Anchoring Cycle of Prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Spokane, the Worldwide Anglican Communion, and Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for the ministries of Trinity Church Stoughton, St. Elizabeth's Church Sudbury, Church of the Holy Name Swamscott, Christ Church Swansea, and the Merrimack Valley Project. For the peace and unity of the Church of God.
When she visits Trinity now, Tony and Mr. Barney are the two people she looks for first. If you want to know more, we'll be Um, more importantly, it's a fellowship of purpose and 
I have seen for 60 years what Trinity can accomplish, and I guess I'm a, a little part of that, so I, I owe you all a thank you for what it's done for me. In conclusion, I ask that you join my family in continuing the Trinity tradition of expanding our financial stewardship so we can welcome more to our doors and into communion. And so that all our sons and daughters, like us, can embody the fellowship and take it with us as we go forth in the world. And just in case, like me, they come back to the world. Thank you. 